there, how's it going? And welcome to a much, much belated and long-due episode of Screenspeak. I'm Jordan Anderson, this is my podcast, and this time especially, I suppose I really do thank you for coming by and giving it a listen, considering how much of a delay uh, there has been in me getting uh, content out there. So, let me take a look here, actually, because I am honestly trying to figure out when the last time I put an episode out was, because it's, it's actually been that long. Okay, well, I guess it hasn't been, <clears throat> hasn't been obnoxiously long. The last episode I had was on The Matrix, that was episode 34, and that was released on December 3rd, but uh, as it says in the description of my podcast, I'm supposed to be putting out episodes every Sunday and every Friday, and for the most part, I'd say I was pretty consistent in doing that, but then... Shortly after recording the episode in the Matrix, I I mean here comes here comes the excuses. Let's just, you know, let's just be real. That's what these are, excuses. Um <clears throat> Yeah, I started getting uh more busy than usual and I was finding myself mentally uh worn thin, I suppose, uh, so that by the time I would like get done uh, doing, you know, work stuff and life and, uh, just other stuff that I have going on. I was not really finding a lot of mental willpower to, uh, to bring the passion and just bring everything that I want to bring to these episodes when I'm recording them. So I was like, okay, you know what? I know I shouldn't do it. It's not good for the growth of the podcast. You have to, you know, consistently put out content in order to, um, well, just in order to build out a better program and yada, yada, yada. But I, I, I decided that I would just give myself a little bit of a break. <clears throat> Excuse me. I decided that I wanted a little bit of a break and I'm like, okay, you know, um, it probably won't be that big of a deal. Fortunately, I did not hear anybody, uh, protest or be like, oh my gosh, like, where is he at or anything like that? It's not like I have some massive following as of yet. Um, but you know, maybe one day I'll get there. But the point is, the point is with all that is I was busy over the last few weeks. I didn't really want to produce half-assed content for you all. And I just thought, okay, just give myself a little bit of a breather on the podcast for the moment. But when the timing's right to get back into it, um, I'll put it right back out there. So that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, but I do apologize because, again, I'm supposed to be having these episodes at least twice a week. That's the bar I set for myself. And, you know, it, it's it's only – I mean, it's disappointing probably to you to, like, an extent. But it's mostly disappointing to myself because I don't have to tell you. When you set a promise or you make a promise to yourself and you don't live up to it, uh, you can tend to be your own worst critic on that. And so for that, I am sorry on that, especially – <clears throat> oh my gosh, hang on. I'm going to cough, but like outside of the microphone. <coughs> that was still probably obnoxious. Um, but anywho, um, I had said that, I think I, yeah, I said that I was going to have an episode on The Matrix Reloaded on December 10th and then one on Revolutions on the 17th. It's December 18th, actually, at the time of recording this. So I already failed on both those. But. I'll make a I'll make it up to you, okay? <clears throat> and here's how I'll make it up to you. Well, right now you're listening to the episode I'm doing on the Matrix Reloaded, uh, which is the second part of the Matrix trilogy, and then I will post the the episode for the Matrix Revolutions uh, tomorrow, which is December nineteenth. 
And I'm sure, you know, anybody that's listening, they'll be like, okay, well, you said that before. You made you made us promises before, Jordan, and what the hell, we didn't hear from you for close to two weeks. So, what, like, what, what's going on? We, we don't believe you. And uh, if you're like that, <clears throat> if you're like that, I understand. But point is, today, you got the episode on The Matrix Reloaded. Tomorrow, you're going to get the episode on Matrix Revolutions. And then Matrix Resurrections comes out on the 22nd. Uh, I am planning on seeing that. Uh, <clears throat> I actually would like to try to see it the actual day that it comes out. So if you're good and if it makes sense to get it done before the actual uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day and all that rolls around, I will get an episode out on that. And I also have another um, guest that is going to be coming by on Monday, which is December 20th. And we're going to be talking about a holiday movie, but I will not say what that is. So I have more content coming. Uh, again, another another apology. My sincerest apologies for um, not being here. But hey, whatever. I'm here now, and and that's that. So with all that said, I'm going to keep it going. But I just wanted to address, uh, you know, so to speak, the elephant in the room. So let's keep going. Okay, so <clears throat> I'm here to talk about the second in the Matrix trilogy, known as the Matrix Reloaded. Um, so this it had actually, so yeah, Matrix Reloaded, yeah, Matrix Reloaded came out May 7th of 2003. And uh, and then I believe actually the Matrix, Matrix Revolutions came out in December of 2003, which is very, I remember that being very interesting because... If I'm not mistaken, they shot both Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Revolutions back to back. And at the time, and even still, I don't really see big epic movies of that scale, let alone ones part of a trilogy, get released with that short of a window between the two. Um, and But it made sense. I mean, it does make sense because if you have seen The Matrix Reloaded, you know that it ends on a cliffhanger. Uh, I think it even says, to be concluded, which is interesting. Um... But yeah, it's it was interesting. I, why, I, how many times can I say interesting? Interesting, 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 interesting. I, I think I could actually say it again. Huh, that's interesting. Now, one of the things that you have to address when you're talking about The Matrix Reloaded is the hype. Because <clears throat> Matrix, The Matrix, the first one that came out in 1999... Uh, it blew up, if I remember well. It actually, let's let me take a look here. How much did the Matrix make at the box office, the first one? Because I do believe it was a commercial and critical success when <clears throat> when it came out. But let me see the Matrix one box office. Holy, holy shit! It says that this thing made four hundred and sixty-six point three million in United States dollars, and that was for the U.S. box office. But what a is that, well, is that the global box office, or or is that just the U.S.? we got to put in global. <clears throat> okay, I think, yes, so that's all of it. So, the film earned 171, $171 million in the United States and in Canada, and then $292 million in other countries for a worldwide total of around $463,517,383. This is interesting. I guess I'm just going to review the finances now, uh, the financials of the Matrix. What was the Matrix 1's budget? 
at a budget of 63 million. So yeah, that's what I would call a success when you more than triple your profits. So yeah, that's, ah, that's pretty crazy. But anywho, point is first one did quite well. <clears throat> it did quite well. Uh, I think there was a hunger for a second one. I don't think people at the time really thought it would be like part of a trilogy or really what it would be. I, I'm not really sure. I, I honestly don't remember what the, the thought was back then out in the, uh, the interwebs. Cause I, I guess that's an interesting thing to think about right now is the internet and how they talk about movies because you know, they don't have Facebook and all these other different things. I don't even know. It's probably forums. Forums have existed for a long time. So I'm sure the nerds were, were clamoring on there. I, I just, I'm just thinking of, uh, uh, any Kevin Smith fans out there, but I'm thinking of Jay and silent Bob strike back where, uh, Ben Affleck is explaining the internet to them and he's showing them a movie blog site called moviepoopshoot.com. Um, Anywho, that's neither here nor there. That's a that's another podcast right there talking about Kevin Smith movies um, and Jay and Silent Bob. But anywho, <clears throat> so the point is is that the hype was really real for this thing. Even, even I remember that when the second one was announced and they had been putting out trailers for it, uh, a lot of people were really really excited because um, the first one was already leaving quite a big impact um, in the film industry and and beyond. And <clears throat> so the hype was definitely there. I also remember uh, remember that Enter the Matrix. The there was a video game that they had developed um, in conjunction with the second and third film's release. It was a tie-in game. I actually played it quite a bit with uh, with my older brother. Still like that game a lot. Actually, a, a hell of a lot. But <clears throat> there was a there was a lot of cool things that were leading up to the movie. But I just. I bring up the hype and I bring up all this uh, all this hype talk and the lead up because I can only imagine what kind of pressure was on the second Matrix movie to be better than the first, and that's an interesting that's an interesting thought actually right there thinking about if a sequel needs to be better than the first because I feel like that's always a thing when a first movie in a franchise or whatever really pops. There's that expectation that the second one just has to be better. But like, why? Why? Why does it have to be better? I mean, what if like the second Matrix movie came out and it was just as good as the first, like just on the same exact level? It wasn't better. It wasn't worse. It was just as good. Would people be thrilled with that? I suppose they would, because there are a large majority of people that think the Matrix Reloaded is not as good as the first one. And if I'm comparing the two, sure, I will admit I like the first Matrix better. Uh, the first Matrix is better, in my opinion, than The Matrix Reloaded. But that said, the second one actually still works for me um, on a lot of levels. And I, I I think it's actually still a really solid sequel for the most part. Uh, but we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. But the point is, <clears throat> first movie explodes. Second movie, uh, it's imminently coming out. People are excited. And then it comes out. And I remember the reaction at the time being... I thought mostly positive. I I don't think I actually ever got to see The Matrix Reloaded in the theater, but I do remember my older brother got to see it. And in particular, I remember he came out of it like saying that like he he liked some of it, but uh, he also I think kind of had his brain melt when the stuff with the architect was there and he's throwing around all these big words. Um not exactly sure, but you know, for a younger audience member, I yeah, I mean some of the heavier philosophical um talk 
uh, or concepts in the movie, if you will, were probably going to go over a lot of a younger audience's head. And, and even people that were maybe really steeped in that stuff were like, whoa, like, this is kind of a lot. Because uh, the first one had some of that, but the second one definitely is leaning more into the philosophical side of the Matrix and is really adding more of a commentary on it. But hang on here. Um, but I remember liking the second one. <clears throat> yeah, I remember enjoying the second one. There's a number of key scenes that I really think work, and I still go back and watch them. Uh, I actually, <clears throat> I own all the Matrix movies on, on 4K, except the Animatrix doesn't have a 4K on that. I think I just have the Blu-ray for that. But um, I, I really enjoy the second Matrix movie. Uh, I do. It's, it's, it's fun. It's got some great action set pieces in it. It expands the world. You get to see Zion. Um, you get to see more of the actual, um, some of the politics actually with the, the humans that are deciding how best to defend themselves against the machines. You learn more about the machine world. So it really, it really opens up the world from, from the first one. And, and for a sequel, I think that's, that, that's a good thing, honestly. I mean, especially if you're doing a trilogy, you want people to really be connected and immersed in, in a fully fleshed out world. And it's not to say that the first Matrix movie is not a fully fleshed out world. I think it is. But with this, you definitely get more of the the point of view of the humans. It's not just all inside of the Matrix in this one. And and some people, I think, have have, a, have an opinion on that of, you know, saying that, well, we didn't really give, uh, give a shit so much about a lot of the human stuff. We just want to be plugged in. We just want to see the cool stuff with the agents and the special effects. And Sure. I mean, I can, I can understand that, but I really liked a lot of the stuff that they did. Um, just opening up the world and letting you see how, uh, how Zion functioned, the politics of it, the council. Uh, I actually enjoyed some of that. It just to me was good world building. And I think the Wachowskis were, were smart, um, to do that and, and not just try to do a, a copy and paste of, of what they had done in the first one. Um, e even though there are definitely some, uh, some reminiscent things to, to the first movie for sure. I don't know why I was just thinking of that part where Trinity in the first one and they, they talked about it in that Matrix Resurrections trailer where they referenced that deja vu line because Neo's like, huh, there's a cat, there's a huh, deja vu. And Trinity does that dramatic head turn and she's just like, they say a deja vu is usually a glitch in the Matrix. It happens when they change something. That's that trailer kind of, uh, that's a trippy trailer. Good one too. And, and in fact, and I realize you're probably thinking, okay, you know what? This guy's kind of going off the rails here a little bit, but not really. Um, that deja vu trailer and all the marketing for the Matrix Resurrections, even if the movie ends up sucking, which I really hope it doesn't, uh, Kudos to the marketing team for this movie. I, I really think they've been doing some smart trailers, some interesting concepts with the websites that they've made for the movie. Uh, so good job, Matrix Resurrections marketing team. Um, but let's see, where was I at? Deja Vu? I was talking about that. Matrix? Sure. <clears throat> All right, well, let's, let's just continue. So moving past the hype, first movie explodes. Second movie still does pretty well, but... You have a bit more of a divisive reception to the movie because some people didn't care for some of the philosophical jargon. I, I remember a lot of people actually bitched about the the cave scenes. 
Uh, in particular, they have that one scene where, I mean, let's just call it what it is. It's practically an orgy. It's a party, an underground orgy party. I don't know. They're playing some rave music. Everybody's sweating. Um, I think actually the MTV Music Awards at one point, they made fun of it. Justin Timberlake was being a Neo in it and uh, Sean William Scott was there or something. Anyways, it's it's a funny sketch, but yeah, a lot of people were giving shit to the to the to the rave scene and Neo and Trinity, you know, having sex and all these different things. But whatever, I I like seeing the world of Zion. I don't care. Uh, I think it actually was uh, actually in a way kind of a kind of a beautiful moment showing people just being truly human, even though they know that they're uh, likely going to get wiped out by these, by these Sentinels, these machines, but whatever. I want to continue. Um, <clears throat> so moving beyond the critical reception and hype, another interesting thing that the Matrix Reloaded um, tends to, not tends to, I'm not even saying it right. The Matrix Reloaded talks about belief. I remember that they talk about belief, the lasting power that belief has, and then more importantly, why people feel so strongly about their beliefs and how much it truly motivates them to do what they do. And the first movie, first movie explored that, uh, certainly with the character of Morpheus, and the second one just picks up from some of those explorations in the first movie. Uh, and in this one, it shows that not everybody in Zion thinks that Morpheus knows what he's talking about. In fact, there's a large amount of people, including some prominent people, the uh, Commander Locke. He's like, Morpheus, you know, I think he says, like, God damn it, not everybody, not everybody believes what you believe. And then Lawrence Fishburne, as cool as he is, he's just like, my beliefs do not require them to. Um, which, hey, man, that's cool. If you believe what you believe, um, yeah, don't let, don't let people deter you from that. So I would say that. But it is interesting showing that not everybody would believe him, um, that there is doubt. Not everybody also, for that matter, thinks that Neo is the one. Um, they, Some of them just see that he's a really gifted person. Uh, he's very talented. But he does do things that are not explainable by any sense of real logic or science. Uh, and so, yeah, there is a, a group of people that also do believe that he is, in fact, the one. He's, he's the liberator. He is essentially the Jesus Christ of of their time and is going to save them from the machines. But it's interesting going back to belief and Holy shit. I have said interesting so many times. You could like take a, take a shot. Every time I say interesting, I gotta, I gotta expand the vocabulary. You ever like, you ever think about that? Or do you, do you think about that when you're talking that you're just like, my words are quite limited right now. And I'm coming off as a bit of a moron. I don't know. I think I'm just, I'm, I'm overly critical of myself. I am. I always have been. It's just, it's one of those things. Uh, but you know, I'll, 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 I'll get around it. I'll get around it and I will stop, you know, get out of your head, get out of your head right now. That's, that's yeah. Yep. Okay. I'm out of it and I'm back, back on track. So <clears throat> I was trying to make a point about belief. I think assuming you're, you're still here. Um, yeah, so belief is really powerful. I, I'm trying to think if there's any beliefs that I feel so deeply strong about that I would go to the ends of the earth of, or I would die for them. Uh, I don't know about that. 
I mean, I let me let me rephrase. I know that I have some beliefs that I feel very strongly about, but would I die for them? I don't know. I don't know about that one. Do you have an answer for that? Do you? I mean, is there anything that you feel that deeply strong about that you would go to the ends of the earth over? You you would risk your life to protect it? I think I I'm trying to think because I it's one thing to say it, but I have to be able to like actually answer the question with some concrete examples of these belief systems that I'm trying to articulate here. Let me see. Um, well, I believe in freedom, right? You know, freedom's nice. Uh, freedom of speech. Uh, that's a good thing too. Um, what what else? I I don't know. Freedom of expression. You should be able to express yourself, like protest and those types of things. So I, I guess I feel pretty strongly about those, that you should have the rights to do those. And I don't know. Uh, I probably I probably feel this way about a number of different things, but I'm not here to, to give a speech. Should I talk about that? Yeah, I could talk about that. Uh, Morpheus gives a speech in this movie. He gives a speech in front of a large group of the cave-dwelling people of Zion. I shouldn't even, I, you know, I shouldn't say cave dwelling because they don't live in the caves. They just gather there for meetings, I guess. But he gives this, he gives a speech at one point in the movie and he's just like, Zion, hear me. It's, it's very, I remember when I saw that for the first time and I was like, I've never heard Morpheus talk like this before. But then the first movie, he didn't have a cave full of people to talk to. So he's got to project his voice out somewhere. Actually, you would think that the that they would have microphones. I mean, shit, they're able to jack into the Matrix, and and they have these like they have a lot of defenses in the city. There's still technology. There's still machines being used, but they don't have a microphone that he could pin to his vest. Actually, I can't remember. Was he shirtless in that? He's he's wearing a vest that's shirt that he doesn't have an undershirt for, I think. But yeah, he he gives a. He has a very powerful speech. He's just like, I do not fear the machines. We can all party and get naked and, and do it. And, uh, and yeah, just don't, don't worry about it. Uh, why am I changing my voice? I don't know. But Morpheus doesn't sound like that. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what, you know, yeah, I don't know. That, that, that whole last couple minutes of that, I started talking about belief, tried to make a profound point, ended up making fun of Lawrence Fishburne in his speech in the caves. So that's what kind of day this is, but whatever. Okay. The movie has some interesting things to say about belief. I thought so. And I would be curious to, to hear you and what you think uh, about belief systems that you feel very strongly about and how far would you go to protect them? That's another question. Another question for you right there. So I'll let you think about that here while I take a sip of some H2O, which is not at all a sponsor on this on this program. H2, I don't know why I just call this a program. This is a podcast. This isn't a program. Anywho, um, so here's another here's another interesting thing. See, I did it again. Another interesting, 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 interesting. But it is. It is, damn it. It's interesting. The human pods. Now, if you remember from the first Matrix movie, there were pods in that. All the people, they're laying in these pods filled with goop. They're plugged in. Batteries use this as a double-A battery, essentially, to power up all their crap. And we just sit there and get fed, like, dead baby goop while being plugged into the Matrix. It's not pretty. 
Um, <clears throat> but the human pods, I don't know why, when I was making the notes for this episode, I was thinking about them again. And a thought had occurred to me, and I think a, I don't think it's an original thought, to be honest. I, I think I might have pulled it from a couple different movie reviews that I was reading for this in preparation. And someone had commented asking, why can't the humans just sleep and be harvested? Did anybody else think about that? And I don't know if the first, second, or third Matrix movies, it's actually been a minute since I've watched them, um, if they answer that. But it, it is interesting, because why do they have to be plugged in and have to have, be, have to have their minds stimulated? Like, is it not enough that they can just be plugged in like life support into the jelly goop pod and just be harvested of energy and just be in a coma? Like, why, why do they have to be plugged into this intricate computer program? I don't know if someone knows the answer to that, or maybe the Matrix says it. I, I feel like the Matrix addressed it at one point. Like, it says, like, the mind, uh, they, well, no, 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 I'm thinking of the first Matrix, because Smith says that they tried, like, a perfect version of the Matrix, but that the mind, the human wouldn't, like, cope with it or something. Like, it wouldn't jive with it. I don't really know. So maybe they addressed it in that. But I don't know. I, I, I thought that was just something to think about. Um, but I guess I, I, I guess I would be grateful for the, the machines to do that, right? I mean, I, I would not, for one, want to probably just be a vegetable um, getting sucked dry of energy from the machines. I don't really think that sounds pleasant. But if, I, if I'm getting sucked dry, if I'm getting all my energy removed and I'm stuck in 1999 or yeah, something like that, Maybe that would be better. I I don't know. So just think about that. Think about it. Why can't? Why do they got to be plugged in? Why do they got to be stimulated? Can't they just be in a coma and be drained? I don't know. Somebody, somebody out there that is uh, smarter than me or is a a super duper big Matrix nerd on this, please please tell me. Okay. <clears throat> so I wanted to talk about the story of this one because I did say in the first movie that I in the first in the first Matrix. Uh, in that episode, I was talking a lot about the philosophical angles and hang on. What the Clarice, what are you doing? Oh, hang on. Ugh, I got to I got to help. I got to help her out here. Clarice, you want up here? Well, you can't, you got to get your, okay. Come on, jump up. No, just jump. There you go. Okay, I have a window sill in my office space, and my cat was debating whether or not she wanted to jump. She did like a half jump, and then she got stuck uh, in the curtain, which is probably not good, and she probably just put a hole in it. But, uh, well, what are you going to do, uh, Clarice? Clarice? Uh, I love you, and thanks for being in the room while I'm doing this, I guess. Okay. So I want to talk about the story. So... Story in this picks up after the first one. Neo is much more seasoned as a fighter in this movie. He is not still a hundred percent. Actually, not even a hundred percent. He's still not really certain like what his end goal is, like what he's supposed to do long term in the Matrix. But he does know that there is something special about him. There is something different, and that he needs to seek out the Oracle once again to really be able to find out what the hell his purpose in this whole thing is. Meanwhile. You got Agent Smith. Agent Smith comes back, makes a return, played by the wonderful Hugo Weaving. 
except it's not just him. There's clones of him. There's a lot of him, which actually culminates in the uh, Neo versus Agent Smith mob fight, which I will get to in a moment. Um, but anywho, Neo's trying to figure stuff out. Morpheus is trying to help Neo to figure stuff out while battling off the people that don't believe in him. Trinity is just one to be supportive of Neo, but she's going through her own thing because she might die because Neo has a premonition thinking that she's going to die. Uh, there's a cave rave. There's a new operator. Holy crap. I'm not even really doing like doing a proper analysis of the story, but, uh, I, I was, you know, I was attempting to, but the, the story in this, like I said, it opens up the world of the first matrix. You see more, you learn more about the different types of programs. Um, interestingly enough, I, I think this movie shows that there's good programs and bad programs in the Matrix. That's something the first movie didn't really fully explore and flesh out, but this one does. Because uh, you have that... Who is that guy? Seraph? Yeah, Seraph. He, he's badass. His his whole intro scene in this where he's just like, you do not really, truly know someone until you fight them. Um, that's that pretty awesome. But the story's good. I like the story in this. I, I don't I don't know if there's anybody that really like doesn't like it. Um I'm sure there is because the first movie, I think, focused more on action. And this movie is still, I mean, there's still a lot of action. There's some great action set pieces in this. But the the story is definitely, I think, more fleshed out in this one. And they are, they're, they're aiming for, they're aiming higher. They have some, they have some bigger things that they're wanting to um, answer and ponder and, and think about. Or they want the audience to think about more things in this one. Um but anywho, I'll get to that in a moment. Well, let's let's talk about the cast. So you got all all the all the OGs. You got Keanu Reeves, Neo, Carrie Ann Moss, Trinity, Lawrence Fishburne, Morpheus, Hugo Weaving, Agent Smith. Uh, I, there's those twins. I, I don't know who they're actually played by. I'm not. Even, I'm, I'm not even gonna look it up. The twins with the dreadlocks. They're they're kind of cool. They're only in this movie, and they're them or people like them never come back again. They're just kind of a one-time deal, but whatever. So there's new characters. Um, Jada Pinkett Smith, she's there as Niobe. Uh, there's Commander Locke. Can't think of what the guy's name is that plays him. Uh, some other admirals and people in the human military that are introduced in this movie. Uh, there's the Count Councilor Hummer, or whatever, the guy that has the speech with neo talking about how we need the machines and talking about the uh, symbiotic relationship we have with them it's uh actually i always like that scene but yeah so they expand the world new characters and overall i, li- I like a lot of the new characters uh serif i talked about him uh there's the merovingian which okay i, I do have to talk about one thing with the merovingian i have to bring this up <clears throat> one second So, in his character introduction scene, he's this suave, devious Frenchman program guy. And he's having this long uh, expositional speech uh, or... Yeah, he's, he's talking a lot to, to the main Trinity. Uh, uh, Neo, Morpheus, and Trinity. And he's talk to them about something or whatever i don't actually remember the whole context of it like i said it's been a minute but i do remember him talking about the orgasm cake does anybody else have a thought on that <laughs> or is like I, I get what he's trying to say like it's a 
I don't know. He's trying to be profound, but I was like, did I just see what I thought I saw? Did he actually intentionally design a cake program that when somebody eats it, it makes them have an orgasm? Because, I mean, if so, I mean, that sounds like, well, sounds like a pretty good piece of cake. <laughs> um, but I just remember like that, that scene in the movie was like a little, it was strange. It was strange. It's not the only strange scene in that, but I was like, okay, like, did we really need to waste the last couple minutes of this movie having you explain how you're going to be a, an unfaithful program to Mon- I mean Monica Belushi's his wife and I don't I don't know when what world you would be unfaithful to her uh, but yeah he decides to I think like go into a bathroom uh, and and enjoy himself with this lady that he just gave this orgasm cake to it's it's weird, okay? It's a weird thing, but and maybe I'm just not remembering the scene right, but I did always remember that when I'm thinking about that character, so uh, now you know. Um, so I want to talk about some of my favorite moments, actually, from this movie, because, again, I would say for the majority, for the majority of this movie, I do actually like quite a bit of it. So, first off, we got the opening, and the opening is pretty cool, Um the humans, they gather in the Matrix to f- learn that the machines are digging. They're like the, I think Niobe says, he's like, the machines will be here in 12 hours. And and then Morpheus is just like, why not? Why would there not be a, a machine for every man, woman, or child? Lawrence Fishburne doesn't sound anything like this. But in the case of bad impersonations, then this one wins. Um, okay. So the opening's great because a bunch of agents break in. They're like, is he the one? He's the anomaly. Kill him. Oh, he's only he's still only human. Um, which if you pay close attention, that guy is actually one of Keanu Reeves' stunt doubles. He works on his stunt team, and he's also in the first John Wick movie. Um, his character's name is Agent Johnson, I believe. And I think I think if I'm not mistaken, he's going to make an appearance in Resurrections. I don't know. But anywho, I like the opening a lot. Because it shows that Neo is definitely not afraid of agents like he was in the first one. In fact, he has that uh, little arrogant moment where he starts fighting them and he's just like, hmm, upgrades. And then he just like proceeds to almost like in a sort of ballet kick their ass. But he's very graceful and smooth and elegant in his moves, which I actually always, uh, always appreciated that just from a choreography standpoint choreography of the matrix and all the matrix movies is it's pretty top-notch stuff i mean it's it's pretty phenomenal and uh yeah i just always really appreciated the opening of the movie now you got the the cave rave the that's not at all what it sounds like but you know what damn it i like the cave rave scene because it shows the human spirit it shows them just in protest being like we don't care how loud we are machines you come waste us we're gonna live we're gonna be human i realize a lot of other people probably could delete the cave rave scene but uh i i always thought it was a cool scene and i uh, actually always liked the the music in that scene from don davis i think who's yeah don davis i think did the music of the matrix movies yeah okay uh, we got the Neo versus Agent Smith mob fight. Remember that? Um, which I will say one, 
I still think it's cool. I actually never had a problem with the fact of Smith cloning himself. Some people maybe thought it got too far in the Matrix Revolutions, but when you watched The Matrix Reloaded, uh, it was pretty cool. And and Smith was a menacing SOB in the first movie. And in this one, well, it's like that, but times a thousand. <clears throat> but I remember appreciating that. And even though some of the effects especially by today's standards, don't quite hold up. In fact, they looks like a video game in some scenes. I still remember at the time, I was pretty wowed by a lot of that. And some of it is still very imaginative and is pushing the boundaries. And for that respect alone, the, for the Wachowskis, I give them all the credit in the world for that because that's part of what makes these movies work for people is that they are pushing boundaries. They are doing things that aren't expected in an action movie they're always pushing the envelope and trying out new and unexpected things and i thought this this fight scene was a good example of that um there is there is one little nitpick i have with the fight scene aside from like i said some of the dated special effects there's one scene in particular where neo takes an agent Smith clone. He like spins him around and chucks him at a bunch of other ones. And they actually insert a bowling ball, knocking down bowling pins audio. It's just like, and I, that always kind of took me out of the movie. I was like, is that just like a little joke for the directors? I I don't really know. Uh, If I see the scene now, it's still, it's just kind of like, eh, like that was a little silly. Maybe, I, I don't know. It never really quite worked for me. That it, It's just like a little thing. Most people might not even pay attention to it, but it's, I don't know. It was a little little strange and didn't really do it for me. Uh, now, <clears throat> two best the two best scenes, I think, in Matrix Reloaded are by far none. Uh, the highway chase scene, which I think goes on for like 13, 14 minutes, and the chateau fight scene. I think both, so, both those scenes... You know, say what you will about the rest of this movie. Both those scenes are worth the price of admission alone right there. It's it's worth watching it because of those scenes. So let me start with the highway chase scene. So for starts, again, Don Davis with his badass, amazing music score. It kicks in with the... It's, that's a really awful, awful impersonation of music. But it's a freaking bumping score. It's great, and uh, and so much of that that was shot practically. I know they were able to like close down a whole highway um, for making the scene. You know, you have Trinity being a complete badass with the keymaker on her back and just weaving in and out of traffic with that crotch rocket motorcycle. Um, super cool. You have Lawrence Fishburne being a badass with his handheld Uzi, and he has that sword that he fights the the dreadlock twins with. Amazing, and then he jumps on the truck. Uh, beats the shit out of the agent. Neo comes in, flying in, and and saves him as the truck's about to two trucks are about to explode head on with each other. It is adrenaline pumping, and like scenes like that definitely make the Matrix, as far as action movies, be um, among more of the top class action movies because it's just it's so cool. Like that whole sequence is so so cool. Um, you have agents that are flying around cars like they're just jumping in between them as if they're just jumping from a ro- one rock to another in a pond. Freaking crazy. Like, seriously, it's a freaking crazy, crazy scene, uh, but it still works for me every time, and I absolutely think that that scene is a standout in this movie. Um, but then, 
I got to talk about the Chateau fight scene. Uh, the Merovingian, this is actually, <clears throat> actually, I think this is, yeah, I do think this is actually right before the highway chase scene. So perhaps I have my scenes mixed up in terms of the order of them, but whatever. The Chateau fight scene is dope. So Merovingian, he, he found out that his wife, uh, led, yeah, the, the white, his, his computer wife found the key maker that they need to unlock the source, which leads Neo to the architect. They found out all that, uh, the, sorry, the Merovingian did. And, and then he eventually confronts them. Neo is like, I'll handle this. You guys go. And Morpheus and Trinity, they just bail while the twins and all the highway action happens. And then they all point their guns at him. It's an iconic shot in the movie. They're all shooting him, and he just pulls, puts out his hand with no expression and just stops all the bullets midair. And then they proceed to throw down all their guns and just try to kill him with their bare hands and weapons. And <clears throat> I got to talk about the music again. The music in particular for this scene, it is epic. It is a perfect blend of composed uh, classical music mixed with that sort of cyberpunk um, EDM style music that is that has always been part of the Matrix, that, that punk uh, style of music. And they blend the two together, um, Don Davis does. And like if you haven't heard the scene, go look it up. And there's that one particular spot where Neo gets a nick on his hand, his hand goes down, and they have that sick electronic beat where it's just like the... If you, if you have seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I apologize for the terrible... Yeah. Amazing. It, it, it is seriously an amazing scene. And also definitely one of the better choreographed scenes I've seen in a lot of action movies. And there's some really cool shots in there. Um, one in particular is done from the back. And it's of these three henchmen that are diving from the top level of this Chateau ballroom. Um to go get Neo and it's all done in slow motion and it's, Oh my God, I almost want to watch it right now. I, I do have it pulled up in a separate tab, so I might have to watch it after. Yeah. After I record this, I may have to watch that. Um, and then I got to talk about my other two, uh, favorite scenes. One. Yes. I do like the scene with the architect, which I'm going to look up right now. I'm going to see if I can find it at the matrix to, Oh, architect speech because i want to i want to see if i can read it i think i can read it because he gets he says he says a lot of big words i, re, I remember that was a thing and I, sh, I shouldn't say it's like awful because i don't know i remember at the time a lot of people were giving shit to the architect scene because he says a lot of things and to the average audience member some of it went over a lot of people's heads and Again, average moviegoer, they're going to be like, what the hell is all this nonsense? So he's the seventh version, the the anomaly, the eventuality, the sedaciously. Like, wait, what are you saying? He doesn't even know. Uh, I have his speech, the architect's speech pulled up here. I'm going to see if I can find something that is like, you know, like his like big word scenes. Um, let's see, this... Well, this, this this one's... I mean, this part makes sense. I'll read this part. 
The function of the one is now to return to the source, allowing a temporary dissemination of the code you carry, reinserting to the prime program, after which you will be required to select from the Matrix 23 individuals, 16 female, 7 male, to rebuild Zion. Failure to comply with this process will result in a cataclysmic system crash killing everyone connected to the Matrix, which coupled with the extermination of Zion will ultimately result in the extinction of the entire human race. I, I don't think he says it that fast, but he does throw around... He throws around... Throws around a lot of uh a lot of exposition in this scene but you know what like if you go back and rewatch this scene there's actually a lot of really fascinating things that are being said here like this one uh th this is an interesting part where he says your life is the sum of a remainder of an unbalanced equation inherent to the programming of the matrix you are the eventuality of an anomaly which despite my sincerest efforts i have been unable to eliminate from what is otherwise a harmony of mathematical precision while it remains a burden to seditiously avoid it it is not unexpected and thus not beyond a measure of control which has led you inexorably inexorably here i i don't even know what that word means I do think of George Carlin in Scary Movie 3 when he just has his dictionary and he's saying big words. He's like, that's, that's got to mean something profound. <laughs> um, but in any case, I like the architect scene. It really, it's a pivotal scene in the movie. The whole, mil the whole movie, in a sense, has been building up to that moment. And so I really like that scene. And it is an interesting choice that the system is giving Neo between saving the human race and saving the woman he loves and what will he do? And I guess, I mean, I've, I've been talking about spoilers to an extent, but I won't spoil this because with the matrix resurrections right around the corner, I would like people to actually watch all the matrix movies, um, before they go see the new one. So I won't spoil exactly what Neo does when he's given this choice, but that scene is interesting, and I just know now. I th I feel like I appreciated it more when I than when I was younger, just because I can understand more of what he's talking about, and it really is, um, it's a fascinating scene to explore, and it's also fascinating to think about all the different things that the architect is telling Neo. So I'll just say that. And now the very last thing I'll say, as far as my favorite moments, and then I'm going to start to wind this down, is talking about the cliffhanger ending. I think it's a fantastic cliffhanger ending. I remember when I saw it for the first time, I again, I, I guess I don't want to spoil it now, but Neo is able to do something that I was pretty shocked when it happened in the movie. I was like, how, how is that possible? Like, what? It, it really blew my mind at the time, him being able to do that. But then the ending's even better because there's this whole sabotage thing that's, that's going on. And, you know who, like the audience knows who it is, but we, uh, the sorry, some of the main, some of the main crew members of, on board the Nebuchadnezzar and this other ship, they don't know who the culprit is behind this, but we know, and it's Agent Smith, but he was able to make his way inside of a human, which even that's a fascinating thing to explore how the hell a program could actually infect a real person in the real world. It's kind of insane, but it shows that Neo's um, incapacitated at the moment and that the agent Smith inside of this human is sitting right across from him. And you're just like, Oh no. And then it's just like, boom, to be concluded. Um, I remember I was like, Oh my God. But then I, you know, I didn't have to wait too long. Cause the follow-up 
came out in December, which I will get to that on a future episode, Matrix Revolutions. But I enjoyed the cliffhanger ending because it kept me hyped. I want, I definitely wanted to see more. I could not just be, I could not end it. Like, can you imagine if the Matrix Reloaded just hadn't done well enough and then they're just like, nope, we're just going to leave that open-ended and you figure it out. I would have been pissed. No, no way. But, but anywho, um, trying to think, do I have any other thoughts on Matrix Reloaded? Excuse me. I suppose I don't. I would say that Matrix Reloaded, it's not as good as the first one, but it certainly has enough enjoyable things that if you're a fan of the Matrix world, you're going to enjoy this movie. Uh, I don't think it succeeds in all the ways that the first one did, but I do think it has enough great set pieces and thought-provoking scenes that still elevate the the movie as a whole. And it also expands the world out more than the first one did, which I do appreciate, um, which all this stuff would ultimately culminate in the Matrix Revolutions, which that's kind of more of the one that I certainly have thoughts on its ending. Not the whole movie as itself. Like I, I feel like Matrix Revolutions gets a really bad rap. A lot of people really freaking hate that movie. And while I can definitely say of the three of the trilogy, it's my least favorite. Um, it like it like I mean, look at other trilogies out there. I promise you, the third one is not nearly as bad as people are trying to make it out to be. But I'll get to that when I talk about the Matrix Revolutions in the next Matrix episode. Which when did I say I was gonna do that? Tomorrow. Well, someone's gonna have to hold my word to that to make sure I do it. But it is coming. Okay very least, I'm going to make sure that you guys, um, that everybody gets that before Christmas. So that's, that's all I got. That's all I got for this episode. So I'll just say, I do appreciate you coming by listening to my ramblings on the matrix reloaded. I hope you found it enjoyable. If you haven't done so already, please, please go ahead and follow the podcast on Spotify, Apple podcast, Google podcast, or wherever you choose to get your podcasts at. You can also download episodes from any of those locations. It helps the growth. Believe me, it really does. And I will try to post more stuff on the Instagram of the podcast at ScreenSpeak Podcast. Um, I, I promise you I will do that when I have some time. I apologize about the delay once again in episodes. I will do, I will, I'm going to do my very best not to have there be that much of a delay again. Uh, as far as I can help it. And with the holidays coming up, I am excited. Got some great content coming out for you. And I, I'm just looking forward to the holidays and being able to see some family and friends. And I, I hope you are too. I hope you are too. So that's all I got. I'm going to wind this down and put in that outro music now, Jordan. Okay. I'm not, okay. I'm, I'm done now. I'm done now. Goodbye.